All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. We're back, dropping the gloves after a nah, it's just a fantastic weekend, Tim. All around, it was great. The weather was beautiful. Mother's Day, my kids are all jacked up about that. Mother's Day is the hardest day for a father because you just got to do everything. It's annoying, but it was fun. <laughs> Did you have a great weekend? Um, just in quarantine. Yeah, I didn't leave my apartment other than walking the dog. So um, it was great. I watched a bunch of movies and just watched a bunch of hockey. It was it was nice. It was relaxing. It was nice. Good for you. That's great. You're keeping up on it. That's good. I tried to catch all you know the games. It's hard. It's very difficult. But boy, oh boy, we were texting back and forth all weekend. It's what we do. We're like best friends. But the texts were just from my end for the most part they're like what what's happening i think i texted you a couple times like this is absolutely bonkers what's happening right now because you can't predict anything in today's nhl in the playoffs you 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 get an idea of a team you get an idea of their tendencies you try to predict you try to you know do what good analysts do make good content try to make people trust you you want i want our listeners to listen to us and go oh you know what Tim and John, they know what they're talking about. They, they really kind of have their thumb on the pulse of the NHL right now. They're better than spitting chicklets who just talk about hanging and banging. Like these, these drop on the gloves guys, they know what's going on. And then I turn on the tube where I'm checking the stats and this and that. And my head explodes because I'm like, what is happening in today's NHL where it's so different from game to game? We were just talking before we came on. I can't remember a playoffs like this where there's been no games going to overtime. Yes, we had the Penguins and the Rangers. I went to four overtimes. Other than that, it's been blank. We had the Colorado um, Nashville, that overtime, that was over in like five minutes. There's been no overtime games. There's been no close games. It's been a yo-yo effect back and forth every single game, every series you can't predict anything. You can't wrap your head around anything. Nothing is tangible. Everything's changing. I don't know what to do, Tim. I'm freaking out, man. I need something solid in my life. What do we do? What's going to happen? The best coach in the NHL just got fired, Barry Trotz. The guy you never thought would be fired. He just got fired, Tim. What are we doing? 
What's going? I'm I'm freaking out, Tim. You got to calm me down here. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I don't know. It, it's just like you know, like you said, every game is so unpredictable. You think you know you got you read the, you got the pulse of a team of a series, and all of a sudden, some team's gonna go upset. Like the Caps winning two to one over the the Panthers. There's not a person in the world who saw that coming. I it's just. But this is why they play the game because you don't get this in any other sport. Basketball, you can write the first two rounds automatically. It's, it's like a WWE. This is this is a lot of fun. As stressful and chaotic as, as it is, this is why hockey is the greatest sport. This is why they play the game. You're absolutely right. And let's just dig into it because there's lots to talk about. Four series now have gone to four games. Every single one of the series is now notched up at two apiece. You know, there were Going into the weekend, there was 1-1 series. There was 2 nothing series. There was teams I wrote off, the Boston Bruins. We'll get to them. I thought they were dead in the water based on the first two games. Going back to Boston, they had nothing positive at all to take from this, from the first two games of Carolina. All of a sudden, you know, it's 2-2. But let's start with what everybody's talking about, the definition of what we just talked about, the lightning and the Leafs. These have been four games, all four games, the winning team has led by at least three goals at one point in the game. That's insane in a playoff game in itself. The final scores for each game, 5 nothing Leafs, 5-3 Tampa Bay, which was buttressed by a couple garbage goals by the Leafs, 5-2 Leafs, and 7-3 Tampa Bay when they had a 5 nothing lead after the first period. It's just been a, a game of contrast back and forth. And what do we expect? Their last two games in the regular season were the same way. Tampa Bay won 8-2 and Toronto came back and won 5-1. So... There's no rhyme or reason. It's just one team's going to blow another team out. Let's just break down this game. Going into game four, I predicted Toronto would win game three. I I thought they would have a bounce back game. Toronto, surprisingly, going back the last few years, even though they've been futile in game sevens, that's been their, they're just, they can't, you know, break through that game seven. They respond well to a big loss. They did it versus the Bruins. They've done it versus other teams. They have good responses, and after the game two shellacking, when they lost five to three, when it wasn't really that close, I knew they would have a good response. I just felt it, and they yes, they came back. They won five to two. It was it was total complete game by Toronto. Tampa Bay looked out of sorts the whole game. Toronto played well. Going into game four, an interesting stat that I found: Tampa Bay is sixteen wins and zero losses. Tim sixteen and zero for the past three playoff runs after they've lost a game. That's that's re- that's remarkable. That's championship pedigree right there. That, I don't know how else to quantify that. People talk about it. Teams talk about it. When I was in the NHL, coaches would harp on it. We don't want to lose two in a row. We don't want to lose three in a row. We don't want to go on a losing streak because once you start to go on those streaks, you get used to losing. And I don't know how Tampa Bay does it. 16-0 and 0 in the last three playoff runs after they've lost a game. That's an insane stat that says a lot about their leadership, that says a lot about their coaching staff getting these guys ready after a loss. After a big loss, they lose 5-2. to two. They come back, they blitz Toronto in the first period. They go up 5-rep. Toronto's completely out of sorts. They don't know what's going on. What struck me is Tampa's depth depth scoring is, is it's, it's shining in this series. I think out of the five goals, four were scored by bottom two lines. It's just they are really shining. Belmar got one. Perry got one. Maroon got one. It was really apparent in that game. They really played well. Toronto was, they didn't know what to do. Jack Campbell looked bad. The defense looked bad. The forwards looked bad. Marner and Matthews. And this is, you know, I touched on this on Friday in our show. The chess match with the coaches. 
you know, Cooper's been there, done that. Keith is still a relative newbie in the NHL when it comes to coaching, especially in the playoffs. Marners and Matthews, they were great in Toronto. I think they had four goals between the two of them. They had a bunch of points. They were dominant at times. Zero points. Zero goals, excuse me, in Tampa Bay. It's because they were matched up versus Kalorn, Sorelli, and Point. They completely shut them down that line. And I don't think Kalorn, Sorelli, and Point were shut out in points. I think they did pretty well the last two games, don't you? Braden Point is an absolute superstar. I, I watched the highlights. I watched some of this game. It was absolutely insane how good Braden Point was. Did you see this game, Tim? Bits and pieces of it. And Braden Point is one of those guys, too. He's a, he's a great, great player. In the playoffs, though, he's like one of the best in the league. He's done this for three years in a row now. He just elevates his game. He loves the pressure. He loves the intensity. He responds to it, and he delivers. He's got some clutch points, and he loves the not just scoring, but he loves a two-way play, like you said, too. Like Match him against match him up against Matthews and Marner. That's like a challenge that he, he'll take on any day. He, he wants the puck. He wants that matchup. He wants the responsibility. That's the kind of player that, that wins championships. So like you said, those the the responsible, the two-way guys you have in the top six, and then like the the depth that the the lightning have is just it's a hard thing for any team to match, which is tough because Toronto's got a lot to prove. And everyone's eyes on this series right now is is asking the same question: is this gonna be any different? Is this the same thing or is it gonna be different? And we even I haven't seen anything that says different, even though though they've won two big games by a lot. They've done that before. We know these guys are good. We know they're talented. We know they're going to score goals. This isn't a matter of, like, do they have it enough to to win some playoff games? Toronto's going to win a couple games. Matthew's going to score a couple goals. We know that's going to happen. But I don't see any way. I honestly don't that they win this series. They just There's nothing what. different here. There was two plays that exemplify the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they're not positive. Two plays. <laughs> Jack Campbell... Ross Colton comes across the line. It's in the second or third period, I believe. He throws a shot on Campbell. Canacorn, any goaltender in the NHL, the AHL, the East Coast Hockey League, the NCAAs, major juniors, it's in your glove. You squeeze your glove and you make a save. It's not a hard shot. Ross Colton goes about a buck 60, buck 65 when he's soaking wet. It goes through his glove and trickles into the net. I think it makes it 5 nothing, 4 nothing. I can't remember. Jack Campbell looks at his glove. He's like, oh, what happened there? That just exemplifies Toronto's goaltending situation for the last few years. They tinkered with bringing in a goalie. It was much talked about. Kyle Dubas, he put all his faith in Jack Campbell, even though he was coming back from an injury. They had Jason Mrazek, this Calgren guy. Who knows what he's going to give us? He was a young rookie. This is all around the deadline. And they decided to stand with what they had. That one play to me was just like, that's Toronto. That that's Toronto right there. An easy save should have been made. Everybody in the in the league makes it, and he just it slips through his glove and he looks at his gloves like what what? If he's on LA, he makes that save, but because he's in Toronto, the the puck goes in the net. Did you see that quote from Cooper about Jack Campbell? No. Um, it was after Game Three, before Game Four. He was asked about Campbell, and Cooper said like, "We scored um, seven goals in the last two games on him. So if if we're going to average three and a half goals a game against him, I like our chances." And then they go up and put what seven in and one so, game, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they're they're super confident against him. And and by the way, if they happen to have a bad game, you know Vasilevsky's not gonna like. He's gonna keep you in it too. So man, I it's like they're so good. They're so good. That's the difference between a really really great goaltender, potentially the best goaltender in our era, Vasilevsky. When he has a bad game, 
he gives up three. If Campbell has a bad game, he gets yanked in the first after giving up five. So the, the contrast there between good and bad, it's a lot. And that's the difference between really great goaltenders. Their window of error, it's smaller. Yes, you have a bad game. That means you give up one, two, three goals. If you have a bad game when you're an okay goaltender, you're giving up seven. Like that, it doesn't seem like a lot, but most goaltenders are pretty talented. They're all around the same area. It's when they're off their game, it really is is noticeable. It's like, and when Campbell's not on his game, you saw it. He wasn't tracking the puck. Pucks were hitting him and bouncing off of him. He wasn't sticky. It was just ugly. It was an ugly thing. I think his he had 16 shots. He gave up five goals. It was it was ugly, his game last night. That was the first one. The second little microcosm of Toronto that exemplifies their whole the whole mantra of the team. Did you see Willie Nylander? You're down 5 nothing. Tavares gives you a puck in the neutral zone. It bounces off your tape. That in itself shouldn't happen. He's on his forehand. He should be able to corral the puck. The guy makes a lot of money. He's a skill player. You should be able to handle a puck in the neutral zone. That's beside the point. It bounces off the stick, and it trickles in the corner. He's a good four feet ahead of the Tampa Bay defenseman, who just happens to be Chernak, a six foot seven guy who's going in there to paste you into the boards. He's a very physical defenseman. Willie Nylander knows this. You have to have a gut check time. This is the playoffs. This is game four. Yes, you're down five, nothing. Are you going to be like a dog on a bone and go after that puck and get that puck and try to make something happen? Knowing you're going to get hit, but you're going to get possession and you're going to try to turn the tide. Or are you going to pull the cord, pull the shoot, slow up, let Chernak get the puck and let them have an easy, easy exit in the zone. What, what are you going to do? Who are you? What's your team identity? You're one of the leaders on this team. You're one of the top four guys on the team. People look to you. There's guys on the bench. There's guys up in the press box. There's your fan. This is a moment in time. What is your decision going to be? Willie Nylander, much like every other Toronto Maple Leafs, this this is goes for everybody across the board. Pulls the shoot, slows up, Chernak gets the puck. Willie doesn't even touch him. He stops beside him. And just watches him. Chernak makes the exit play. Toronto or Tampa Bay exits his zone, and Toronto's back checking. Yes, Nylander gets a couple garbage goals in the third, so everyone's like, "Well, you know, it's not his game." BS. That's everybody's game in the playoffs. You have to play that way. You think McKinnon's not finishing that check? You think Kucherov's going in and not touching anybody? He's at least giving the guy a little shot in the back, or he's taking the hit and making the play. It, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Eddie O and Keith Jones nailed it in the broadcast. They lambasted him. I'm glad they did. It's embarrassing. I thought Willie Nylander was better than that. I guess not. It just goes, it's Toronto. It's Toronto in a nutshell. The reason they don't win, it's exemplified in that play right there. Absolutely. And to say he would do it if it was a close game, that makes it even worse. You're supposed to do it all the time. It's It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And that's Toronto, baby. That's Toronto. They're a soft team. They don't have it when it matters. If there's a 50-50 puck, you might as well just, boom, the other team's getting it every single time. Every single time. And he's one of their best players. It's so fun. I love it. It's so great because that's that's Toronto. They're never going to change. A zebra will never change his stripes. A leopard will never change its spots. As much as you try, Toronto's a zebra, man. It's never going to change as much as you can say. Oh, they work hard. Mitch Marner's changed his game a little bit, but when it comes down to it, oh, you're just 
You're always going to be that guy, Toronto. And I love it. I'm here for it. Don't you think, Tim? What's what's so interesting is like we've seen guys, you know, if giving up in a game usually looks like maybe not blocking a shot that you should block or like not doing something that you, it takes to win a game, but doing it in a way that like so visibly like stopping, you, <sighs> you almost came to a full stop. Like that's like it, it almost never comes comes to that. You know what I mean? So to be so visible with with giving up like that is is so Toronto, like you said, and makes me think that. No matter what, even Matthews and Nylander, they can't win a series by them on their own. Even if they're do- doing that kind of thing, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Hopefully he sees it. For it. It's a best of three now. It's a best of three. I don't know what to predict. They're going to have the benefit of the last change going back to Toronto. I don't know what's going to happen. Jack Campbell can't feel good <laughs> after game four. It, it, it's up in the air. I'm not even going to predict it. We'll do it at the end the of the Leafs. show on points bet. I don't even know. They're going to win like five to one tonight. Like the way the series has been going. Let's just, it's, it's, it I don't know how to handicap this. I really don't. You're right. It's let's just move on. Bruins Canes. We talked about it a little bit at the start of the show going into Boston. I thought, boom, they're going to lose. It's going to be four straight. It's going to be the end of the era of this group. They're going to sell everybody. Let's change. No, no, never mind. Retract everything I said. Bruins are going to win the Stanley cup. What happened, Tim? Why did Boston all of a sudden flip the switch on the Carolina hurricanes? Uh, a couple of things happened. One of the, the big ones was that um, they reunited the, the perfection line in the middle of game three in Boston. And actually, I got some stats that's really good. But since Cassidy decided to stick with those that line, the trio was on the ice for about 20 minutes on time on five on five. And in that span, the Bruins lead shot attempts 22 to nine shots on goal, 13 to five. And the big one, they're four and no, uh, four goals to none against the Canes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is a, a, you know, a tale of two different teams when you have those guys reunited. And I think ultimately, I think Cassidy and the rest of the guys would like to see the Bruins winning with that line split up. It adds, it, it just like separates, spreads the wealth to add some depth to the team and it, Changes the whole roster, but it's good to know that when you need some wins, you can put those guys together and they'll, they'll put the team on their back. Game four yesterday, Marshawn had five points. Just it's they just look like a different team. Bergeron's had three goals in Boston in his last two games, so looking really, really good. So I think that's the big one. And yesterday's win especially was big because they about ten minutes before the puck drop, it came out that Charlie McAvoy had COVID. He was in protocol. That's where you were. You dirty dog. You went and hung out with Charlie when he was in Carolina. I knew it. I knew it. Chucky. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was a huge blow and made all of us really nervous, all the Bruins fans uh, in the room. And so we all of a sudden (laughs) Josh Brown is skating. And I don't know. He was at the deadline acquisition they got. He's a he's a seventh defenseman. You know, he's, he's a big body. He's not super skilled. Uh, he played okay, but you don't know when he came in. Like, when did he know he was going to play? And he and add that Hampus Lindholm was already out, and all of a sudden your defense looks pretty weak. And I, this is a big opportunity for Carolina to to own this series, and they couldn't do it. Connor Clifton led the Bruins in time one night, so just a little over twenty minutes. Like, this is he's he's like your sixth best defenseman. So um, that was a big statement win for the Bruins. Uh, a couple other quick notes: Antti Ranta returned, um, didn't look great but he's still probably a better option than Kochekov. So I, I don't know whether he automatically starts game five just because of who he is. Kochekov played pretty well too, and Anthony Ranta didn't play great in game four. I got to think they'll go back to Ranta, but that's worth keeping an eye on. 
The other thing that was kind of interesting in this game, more more in game four than in game three, but Tony D'Angelo, first of all, heck of a player. He's been flying around the ice this entire series. He skates so well through the neutral zone. He loves shooting the puck. He loves, you know, um, being aggressive on a forecheck. And he's just a, he's a really good player. You can tell how important he is to that team. He's also a great villain. He's just such a, like, a little POS on the ice. And he's a little bit just like – He's getting in people's faces and a couple, I think he's an emotional player. He's an emotional guy and it got the best of him in game four. We saw this yesterday with, there was a a scrum, I think late in the second or sometime in the third where he's getting in a little uh, tilt with Curtis Lazar and getting in his face and watching his face and trying to shove him and trying to get a matching penalty. And Lazar, very proud of him, kept his hands at his hips, didn't respond just kind of kept guiding him on. And Tony D'Angelo went to the box. He looked like a total dummy and sent the Bruins on a power play. I don't remember if they scored or not. But it was good to see, like, the Bruins being being um, disciplined in that moment and the Hurricanes weren't. The Bruins, I think, had nine power plays in that game. The other thing with Tony D'Angelo, and again, this didn't really matter. The Bruins were, the game was out of hand. But when Marshawn did a little breakaway about to score the empty net goal and D'Angelo is chasing him, just throws his stick right in front of him, trying to block the shot. Uh, which when's the last time you saw that? Like that does not happen. That never happens. D'Angelo, I think again, just emotional, a little bit whiny, a little bit uh, childlike. And I don't think it's a penalty. I think it's just an automatic goal if that happens um, in case Marchand hadn't actually scored or whatever. So I think, I think that's something to keep an eye on because I think if, if, if I'm Brandon Moore, that's an important thing I'm talking to him about because you need him to be disciplined. You need him to be on the ice. And if, if he does more more of that, it's going to get the Bruins more power plays. And they the power play is woken up a little bit. So you don't want to get the Bruins power play on the ice. So that discipline is going to be important um, for the Hurricanes as they head back to Riley tomorrow night. Yeah, and this was uncharacteristic of the Carolina Hurricanes. So they're typically a disciplined team. To They had <laughs> six penalties in the second period, Carolina. And yes, one was from an unsuccessful challenge, which Rob Bridmore challenged the DeBrusque goal, which I is not a goal, the DeBrusque goal, but that's beside the point. Oh, it was it. um it was undisciplined. And yes, they didn't give up any power play goals, but it just burns out your team. When you're constantly killing penalties, when you're constantly just trying to reshuffle the lines and figure things out, it just messes up the whole mojo of the bench and you don't get into a rhythm, and that's important in a game. So the Bruins, they were smart. They played good hockey. Marchant was at his best rat self, getting in people's faces, chirping guys. The perfection line did what they do. They go out. They dominate. They score a couple goals. This this point, they think they scored. They get five, four, five. They, they dominated the game. So it, what are you going to do? Going back to Carolina for game five, which two teams are we going to get? Carolina, you mentioned it too. It's like just watching the game. You kind of still feel good. If you're a Hurricanes player, I, for, for whatever reason, you go into Boston, you, you lose two. You could have won both of those games. Jeremy Swayman, did that make that much of a difference? Did he play well? Was he a, a market upgrade from Linus Allmark, do you think? He definitely played well, but I think it's like you said before these before uh, game three. It's like the, we're going to see a different Bruins team when we get to Boston. And, and so Swayman's kind of a little bit of a product of that, where he's got a better team playing in front of him. And in Carolina, especially in game four, like you said, there's no discipline. They, they was not a good, a good game for them. So I think Swayman looks a little better because of the circumstances. But again, he's 2-0. you got to give him credit. you got to stick with him moving forward until, until he loses that job. And this is a very tight game. Now, either of these teams are really opening up and getting after it. And like the, the shots on goal were 28-26. to 26. So when you finish a game, 
and you've only given up 28 or 26 shots, that just tells me you're not really opening things up. You're not really going for it. Carolina, for whatever reason, didn't go for it. It didn't seem like they they were taking many chances. So we'll see if that changes. Well, you contrast that versus the Oilers and the Kings where LA threw 46 shots on net. Like they were getting after it. 46 shots is a lot of shots in a, in a 60 minute game. When, when you only have 28 and 26, it's a very passive game. You're only throwing, you know, 10, 15 shots, shots on net per period. And that's not very much. So I would like to see the Canes open up a little bit, maybe get pressure. The Bruins D a little bit more knowing their top two defensemen are out. And who knows if McAvoy is going to play tomorrow. I don't know how the COVID protocol works. Maybe he's going to test positive again and he's, and he's still out. But if you have Lindholm and McAvoy out, you have to start taking chances. You have to start going at these defensemen. And I think if they do that, they'll be successful. But gosh, right now, if I'm the Bruins, I'm feeling pretty good. Going into game five. All right. Oilers Kings. We mentioned it. Game one, four, three, LA. Very good game. LA, you know, I think controlled the game. Game two, six, nothing Edmonton. Like, okay, they, they figured things out. They're going to, you know, roll this game. Game three, eight to two Edmonton. Oh my gosh, this is getting out of hand. Edmonton's just got their number. Mike Smith's playing well. Everybody's rolling. Evander Kane looks really, really, really good. He's the best player in this series so far for Edmonton. It's going to be a debacle game four. Game four, four nothing LA. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. McDavid looked terrible. Absolutely atrocious. The second goal for LA I was watching. I don't know what the heck he's doing. It's a four on four play. It's in the Oilers end. There's a 50, 50 puck, a 50, 50 puck. You're down one, nothing. What do you think you should do if you're a forward and you're on the defensive end? What, what are you doing, Tim? If, if, if there's a 50, 50 puck and you're a forward, what are you doing? And you're down one, nothing in the playoffs. What are you doing? You're back checking. You're getting that puck. You're in the D zone already. It's, it's a, it's a D zone play. Are you going to stick around and cover your D man? like a normal sentient person would do? Or are you just going to blow the zone and be gone and hope for a breakaway to tie the game 1-1? Well, Connor McDavid, being the selfish player he is, he blows the zone. Absolutely gone. Go and watch the play. It's a 50-50 puck. It's a Edmonton's D-man, and I think it was more at the time. They're battling for a puck. McDavid is absolutely gone. But then you don't see him for like 5 to 10 seconds. Usually if you see that happen, you stop and you come back. You don't see it on the screen, but I'm imagining he does just a big snowman and just goes and does a loop and goes for a skate because LA has time to control the puck, go D to D. And when he comes back into the zone, he's not even marking his man. His D man gets the puck and takes it to the net and feeds a puck cross ice to go up to nothing. It's an insanely bad play from the captain of the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm just leaving. I'm left shaking my head. I'm like, this guy has not learned a thing because he got roasted the last two playoffs for just taking chances, taking bad penalties, making terrible turnovers in the neutral zone, trying to do too much. And he does it here, and it's a crucial play. It's a it's a crucial play in the game. You're you're up. You're down one nothing. If if you go down two nothing, it's a big big blow to the team. And so that happens. Another thing I noticed in this game, Darnell Nurse played terrible. He was awful. And I don't know what the LA Kings are doing to him. If, if he's hurt, they beat him wide consistently all the time. If it's a two-on-two, two, if it's a three-on-two, if it's just a, a normal rush, for whatever reason, Darnell Nurse is being beat wide all night long. I think it happened three or four times where guys get on his hip and then they beat him to the front of that, and he's getting out-muscled. 
it's getting on out muscled on LA's third goal. I think his name is good Branson or good Gunderson or whatever. Some sweet nurse is on his hip and he tries to push him down. Nurse can't do it. And nurse just falls down, ends up tripping him. The LA King guy goes down and cross checks the puck into the net and it's a goal. And it counts because nurse trips him and he pushes Smith out of the way. He's getting beat wide. McDavid doesn't seem interested. The thing that I took from this game, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Cause we got a lot of stuff to go over and gosh, we always spend so much time on the Leafs. It's insane. But if you watch a game and you watch the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers, the Oilers are, are much more talented up front, rightfully so. Yes, the Kings have some good players. Kempe, they have, they have Kopitar, they have some other pieces. When the Kings get the puck and they're driving the net, and this is all comes down to your mentality, and, it, and it's a, it starts with Kopitar, or not Kopitar. Yes, it starts with Kopitar. When he drives the puck to the net, he's driving to the top of the crease. He's driving to the net and every single guy in the Kings does that, whether it's Lemieux, whether it's Moore, whether it's I follow, whether it's everybody, they drive to the net. If you're the Edmonton Oilers and it starts with David, when he drives the net, he drives to the, the near post. And if he gets any check, he goes behind the net. And so does everybody else. Everybody will drive to the net and they'll go behind the net. They won't stop. They'll just fly. They'll do a flyby. They'll throw it in front and hope someone's there. It's just a mentality. The Oilers don't, they don't have it. They will win this series, Edmonton will, because they're more talented. But they should have already won it for nothing, in my opinion. They, they just don't have that mentality. They don't have that grease in their game. A couple guys do. Kane is having a great series. Hyman has that mentality. As a whole, Dryden Seindel doesn't stop. McDavid doesn't stop. Nugent Hopkins doesn't stop. All their top guys, they do flybys. It doesn't cut it in the playoffs. I don't know what it is. Toronto has that mentality. Edmonton has that mentality. It doesn't, you can't do it in the playoffs. You have to drive to the crease. It's the same thing with Nylander in the corner. You have to be willing to go into these places and put yourself in harm in order to have success in the playoffs. These guys don't have that mentality. And it's, it's maddening to watch because it's like, go, you're strong, lower your shoulder and get in there but they don't, they don't want to. And so that's the thing that I took away from this game. It's like every time there was a, a play to the net, LA was there, whether it was Lemieux, whether it was Dustin Brown, whether it's anybody, they took it to the net. The, the scrum was in front of the net rather than beside the net or behind the net. And that's the difference in this game. LA wins four, nothing. Jonathan quick played absolutely incredible. He gets his first shutout since 2014 in the playoffs when they won the Stanley cup, the Oilers looked bad. They, they had a slow start. They were outshot. Keith and Bouchard played terrible. Evan Bouchard was just, he was atrocious. They, they, they need to figure out what to do with the Deneau line. Philip Deneau looked unbelievable. The first goal, Bouchard, it just bounces over a stick. You think Deneau is going to go backhand shelf. So much patience, so much just confidence to, to get around Smith's poke check and to just drop it, just empty net for more. It was a beautiful goal. It, the, the Oilers' power play was terrible. That was a strong point during the season. It was a bad game for Edmonton. So any, do you want to, any notes on this, Tim? Was this, a, was this an LA win or an Edmonton loss? Where do you, where do you put your chips? It's both. I mean, it has to be both. It doesn't but. have to be. What, what, what was the cause of this? Was it because LA played great or was it because Edmonton just played garbage or is it both? Well, both. That, that bull, that's my point. I think you have to give more credit to LA. This, this is not as surprising to me as it is to you, the fact that we're at 2-2 two to two at this point. Like I said, I actually still stand by my pick for LA to win this series. Um, watching that Deneau going right now, it's a pretty pass. 
Yeah, so I it's just more of the same. Like I don't want to be a dead horse, but this the Oilers team is not equipped. They're not built for this kind of series. And they're not built for the playoffs. And I think, you know, the talent can get you so far. I could easily see Oilers winning the next game and McDavid and Drysaddle putting up a combined like nine points or something. And and they could still lose the series. You know what I mean? And even if they don't, what chance do they have? (laughs) Neither one of these teams are going to have any chance of winning the next round anyway. So it's just, it's kind of a moot point. But I still like LA to win the series. And I think, uh, I just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because as a hockey fan, you want McDavid and Dreisaitl, McDavid especially, to go on a run. You want to see what they can do. You want to see them carry the team on their backs, and they're, just, they're not able to do it for whatever reason. So it's frustrating to that we're here again. I'll just say this. As a hockey fan, I would like to see what they can do. I don't want them to because they don't deserve it. Just watching these games, I don't want them to. I don't want them to be, to be rewarded for their effort that they're putting in. When Connor gets the puck, you watch him. He's gone. He's so excited. When he doesn't have the puck, he's the, he's a garbage hockey player. He really is. He really is. I don't know what the deal is. Coaches are probably maybe they're scared to talk to him. Connor, would you mind? Uh, pretty please, uh, don't get me fired. Don't talk to the the owner. Can you can you play a little defense? Maybe can eh, you know? Never mind. Forget I said anything. Never mind. Never mind. You do whatever you want to do, Connor. All right. Blues Wild. This was supposed to be a slobber knocker. These guys hate each other in their same division. It's going to be insane. It's going to be back as game one, four, nothing St. Louis game two, six, two Minnesota game three, five, one Minnesota game four, five, two St. Louis. Another just, what are we doing here? Blowouts left and right. This one was a little bit different. This one wasn't a case of St. Louis winning. This is what I was alluding to with the Oilers and the Kings. I don't think the blues won this game. I think the Wild lost it. I think the Wild, their first period went absolutely garbage. Every single goal that St. Louis was a product of Minnesota just shooting themselves in the foot. Every single goal. I think, yes, Bennington, they get a jump from that. Billy Husso played great the first game, terrible the next two games. They start Jordan Bennington, their playoff hero from three years ago. He played well. He played okay. I think the Wild just got a couple bad bounces, a couple turnovers. All of the goals St. Louis got were preventable. Every single one of them. After that first period, the Wild were the better team by far. By far. And I think going back to Minnesota, I think this is Minnesota series. I think Fleury played well. I do think Minnesota wins the next two games, but I could see it going to seven. But all in all, you just forget that first period. Marcus Felino scores on his own. Nat, he kicks it in. It was a bad bounce here and there, a, a terrible turnover. I don't think it's anything that's not correctable. It's not mental. It's just executing. Whereas the Leafs, it's you can't correct that. The Oilers, you can't correct that. The Wild, they're going to go watch some tape. They're going to break it down. They're going to go, you know what? We played good. We outshot them. We outplayed them. We outskated them. We outhit them. Everything was in our advantage. There was just, there was some, and I hate saying puck luck, but we we just didn't have it, whatever it was. And again, you know, you can't fault the Blues they put themselves in a position to take advantage of that. And they played well and they got the two, two, they got the win. They're, they're tied two two going back to Minnesota. So good for them. But I don't feel that nervous. If I'm a wild player, if I'm a wild fan, whereas I'm nervous, if I'm an oil Oilers player, because it wasn't puck luck. That's not why we lost. It wasn't a couple bad bounces. It wasn't a couple bad turnovers. We just played really bad. We got out shot. We got out hit. We got out played. But if I'm a wild player, I'm like, you know what? We got this. We got this series. So from all the the series that are 2-2, 
the Leafs, Lightning, Oilers, King, Blues, Wild, Bruins, Canes, which team do you think is the most nervous going into game five? Out of, out of those eight teams, which one do you think is like, oh, man, it's 2-2, but it feels like we're, we're chasing this series? Um, Man, I think it has to be the Leafs. Because <laughs> I think the Blues... The Blues and Wild, I think everyone knew this was going seven. I, I think this is this is as close. This is right where we thought it would be. The Oilers-Kings, I feel like, is another series that maybe the Oilers are a little surprised and frustrated, but I think they, they probably still feel they're the better team, so they're not quite in, in on their heels yet. The Bruins-Kings, I don't think the Kings, I mentioned this earlier, I think the Kings are still feeling pretty good, even though they lost these two games in Boston, just because we haven't really seen a great game from Boston yet. Like They, they played well, but it doesn't really feel like they played like they, they could. And so far, I think the Canes feel like they can still take this series. But if I'm the Leafs, I'm panicking. I'm panicking based on what I'm seeing from my teammates, what I'm seeing from the guys on the ice, and what I know that Tampa Bay is capable of. So it's close, but that, that would be my team. Yeah, mine's, mine's St. Louis. I feel like St. Louis, the, the first game they won, they got all those power play goals from the same, same spot, David Perron. That was fortunate. I don't think you can replicate that. And then last game, when you look at the tape, Minnesota was a better team. I think... Over the first four games, as crazy as it sounds, even after a 4 nothing loss in game one, I think Minnesota's been the better team in all four games. It's just been the way it's it's gone, the way it's gone. Billy Hustle played unbelievable in the first game. The last game, they just couldn't figure anything out. They had good chances. They hit a couple posts, and they were the better team, but it just didn't work out the way they wanted to. So I think St. Louis going to Minnesota, they should feel very fortunate they're 2-2 and not you know golfing by now because Minnesota's been the better team every single game, in my opinion, other than a couple – you know, periods where they just didn't play well. The first period in game four, and then again, the first period in game one where this, it was power play goal after power play goal for David Perron. All right, DoorDash. Tim, you just had COVID. Did you use DoorDash? I sure did. I use it every day. I think did you use their days. promo code? Uh, of course I did. I would You're never so not use smart. it. And everybody should do the same because DoorDash works great. Do they just leave it on the doorstep? Do you tell them you have COVID or do you invite them in and just infect the delivery person? Yeah, I can invite him in and give him a hug and say, thank you for bringing me my food. You want to split it? I only have one fork. And, and you're say, European yeah. and you're kissing. You're going, mwah, mwah. thank you for delivering my food. You're very European. But you can do that too. Order DoorDash. Use promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the USA. Use promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Get 25% off free delivery and get COVID too. You know, Who knows the gifts you're getting when you use DoorDash? Now, I'm not saying you're going to get COVID if you use DoorDash. I'm just making light of Tim's situation. So, yes, use DoorDash. Check it out. Use your phone, your app, your computer, everywhere you get internet access. Check it out. They're a good company. We like them, and they hopefully like us after this ad. All right. There's four games tonight. Three of them are two to one. One of them's three rip. What are the keys to the Penguins-Rangers game, Tim, here? We talked about the Penguins situation. DeSmith is out. They just won game three. In my opinion, much like the Wild Blues game four, game three, all of Pittsburgh's goals were garbage. All five of them. They were all bad. One was from behind the net, banked in. Two, Shashirshkin had it in his glove, and it gets pops out, goes off of Jeff Carter and trickles in the net. Three, it's banked off the back wall. Rodriguez gets it and scores. The fourth goal is a terrible turnover on a good forecheck by Brian Boyle. A terrible turnover and then another bad goal. Shashirskin sort of saved it. And then the fifth goal, I think, was an empty netter. So all five goals were garbage. All of them. I think the Rangers were the better team. My prediction is if Domingue plays the rest of this series, we know DeSmith is out. We don't know Tristan Yari. He hasn't started skating. Domingue had some 
bad goals. They were up four to one. They come back and tie it up four four. Then they, uh, we obviously know what the fifth goal is. But if Domingue's in for the rest of the series, the Rangers win the next three and it's over. That, that's my prediction. What do you think is going to happen in this series? What did you think of game three? Uh, I think this still goes to this since I still like the Penguins. Um, they played well. And I, yeah, they, they had some tough bounces that maybe weren't representative of how good they really played. But at the same time, you got to give them credit for capitalizing, for taking advantage yeah. of the Rangers, you know, sloppy play, some bad bounces, some puck luck. And I think the Penguins, <clears throat> that's the kind of game the Penguins are going to need. So I think I, I'm fine with, with this game. I think the Rangers probably win tonight. I think the Rangers are still probably the better team. But again, the Penguins have that experience, and I think they have to. They've got something to prove. I'm, I'm, I still like them to win this series. I mean, it, again, two to one. Like this is another surprise. Who, who saw this coming? A lot of people saw it. They didn't finish that far apart in the standings, Tim. For Pete's sake, it's not yeah. like the Pittsburgh Penguins were the Washington Capitals here. They're, they're a pretty good team. Mm. They they kind of were though. I don't think a lot of people would have would have. The Rangers are a lot of teams, a lot of people's pick to go the distance. So, and they still could be. They just had one bad game. So, and then they lost in quadruple overtime. I think the Rangers are the better team. They will win this game. All right. This now the next two series. I'm I'm completely shocked. We'll touch on these quickly because we've been talking a lot, Tim, and our listeners like us to be a tight thirty to forty five minutes. We don't want to extend them. I know they're getting a little antsy. Flames and Stars. The Stars lead this series two to one. Captain America, Joe Pavelski. He's unbelievable. The guy's thirty seven years old, still producing. That that first line has been their only line this series. Robertson, Heinz, and Pavelski. They win it. An amazing stat that you dug up. What's that Heiskanen stat? Yeah, he's been on the ice for about 78 minutes so far in the series, and the Stars have not given up a single goal during that stretch. That's crazy. That's crazy. 78 minutes. That's the, well, that's the kind of thing you need. You need a defenseman to, to log the heavy minutes and to be able to play that shutdown role, and there's a reason that they're winning this series, and this is a, a big part of that. There's a reason they didn't extend Klingberg a long-term deal. It's like, Hey, Johan, uh, yeah, you want to do that deal? Well, listen, remember in practice when you're playing with that high guy, yeah, we're going to give him all the money. He's better than you are. So we're just going to let you walk. And he's showing why he's been unbelievable. There's no answer from the flames so far. They, they can't figure out this guy. He is shutting guys down. And then the goaltender, Jared Ottinger, pretty good. He's playing pretty darn good. The flames for whatever reason, can't break through. Game four, they it's a must win for Calgary. I, I, is my Stanley Cup pick going to lose in the first round? <laughs> is it really going to happen? I I don't know. It's going to be <laughs> the kiss of death from John Scott. Mwah, there you go. You're out in the first round. What do you think, Tim? Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of do. I think I still like the Stars to win the series. And I had the Flames, I think, to win it all as well. Um, I put some money in a, in a pool with my buddies, and now they're – and now I kind of hope they they lose. Like this is, uh, the stars are just so they're not that exciting. They're not like. What do you watch for? What do you root for? You know what I mean? Like there's no cool storylines there. Ottinger's playing great. Only three goals in three games against. I don't know. I think Calgary's due for a big bounce back game. I think you I think would we'll, hope they need a goal, a game where they score like five, six goals. They, you you yeah. feel it. You feel it coming on. All right, let's let's move on to the next game. Capitals, Pan- Capitals, Panthers. My gosh, it's like every team I want to win loses, and every team I want to lose wins. It's like the wash. Will you ever go away, Washington Capitals? Just go away, beat it. Like no one wants you here. You're not welcome. 
They beat the Florida Panthers in game three. They looked amazing. They looked absolutely. Tim was throwing me text messages. She's like, Washington looks good. They look really good. What's going on? So what's the most surprising thing in this series that, that has caught your eye? Well, besides the fact that they're winning, um, I think it's they seem to be out muscling, outworking the the Panthers. Like I, I watched Saturday's game, and it was a lot of like like the Garnet Hathaways of the world. They're just all over the ice and making an impact. He scored a goal, one of them an net goal, and just he's those are the types of players that I don't know that that Florida really has an answer for right now. Um, where there's that, that muck and grind in your face, mixing it up. And I think, and this is a big part of the Cavs success in the, in the past. So I feel like they're, they're out, they're out playing them there. And then since, since Sam Tonov came in, I think halfway through game two, uh, when Vanacek got pulled after letting in five goals or something, he stopped all 17 there. And then the Panthers went up early in game one with Huberdeau kind of skating down the left-hand side and had a, a glove high shot. I thought that, Sam Sonov should have saved that. Like he was unobstructed shot. Like obviously Huberto's a sniper, but you, you got to make that save. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Here we go. The Panthers are, are getting it started. And that was the only goal we let in the whole game. And the Panth- the Caps just turned it right around and shoved it back in their faces. So I think, uh, God, this is John, this, this can't actually happen. Can it? There's no way. There's no way. It can't. It, it, no. They did lose six to one. It was not good. Now here's the question for the Panthers. Do you start Bobrovsky? You know, he looked very shaky. He he looked good for the first period. It was, it was tied one, one midway through the second. He looked all right. Then all of a sudden the floodgates just opened up and it was Johansson and Van Riemsdyk and Ovechkin got in the game and Carlson scored one and Gardner Hathaway gets one. Do you have a conversation about Spencer Knight or do you to give Bob the net one more time? Because if you go down three to one, like that's tough sliding to come back versus like, I don't care who you're playing. That's that's tough to to go and win three games versus a team, and especially from the Eastern Conference. So what do you do? Is it a short leash in the in game four? I think you do start Bobrovsky, but again, like you said, if you lose this game and you go to Spencer Knight, like that's you're putting him in an impossible position. Twenty year old goalie saying, Hey, we gotta we gotta give us a shot to stay in this series and I don't know. I think I think I could see a scenario playing out where Bobrovsky starts. Maybe he gets pulled short least like you said, but he still starts game five if we get you know. So I don't know. It's a it's a mess. The, the Panthers need to have they need to have a response. They have to win game four. It's it's a non negotiable. All right, Avalanche Predators. Abs are up three nothing. Big big thing here. Darcy Kemper eye injury takes a stick in the face from Johansson. Is he out long-term? We don't know. He could return. They're very stingy with the information when it comes to playoff times. Does it even matter? Is this series over, Tim? You've watched this series more than I have because I can't stand watching the Western Conference games because I like to go to bed at 7 p.m. Is this series over? Is it even worth watching? They're up three to nothing. What's going on? It's over. It's over. It's a hard thing to do to sweep a team, uh, especially when they're, they're playing at home for game four. So I could see Nashville squeaking out a win, but if I'm betting, I'm putting my money on the Avs tonight. It just doesn't, they don't even look like they're close. Um, so yeah, the Avs, it's over. No well, chance. Speaking of betting, that's just uh, kind of an, is a nice transition into points bet. We actually are sponsored by points bet. So let's give the fans what they want. We had a tough weekend when it came to points bet. There was a lot of up- upsets. There was a lot of, you know, unpredictable things. We're going to get back on the horse right now. We're going to nail it. We're going to go 4-0. I want everybody to max out their 401k, and I want you to just 
bet whatever we say right now. So, Tim, Panthers, Capitals, or game one, puck drops at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Who do you have? Panthers. Big, big response from them. Big response. I agree. I totally agree. Another 7 p.m. puck drop. Rangers, Penguins. Similar. Rangers, big response came from them, too. I couldn't agree more. It's like we're the same person. 9.30 p.m. puck drop, Eastern Standard Time. Avalanche Predators. Who takes this one, Tim? This is the one I'm not sure about. Um, I think Colorado. I think they sweep. I, I agree. We are the same person right now. Game four, another 9.30 p.m. Eastern Conference Time puck drop. The game is in Dallas. Dallas is up 2-1. to one. The Calgary Flames versus Dallas Stars, Tim. Who's going to win this game? No, no, let me just – this is a great stat. So the leading point getter in all these series has 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Calgary's leading point, point getter has two points. Dallas's leading point getter has three points. It's a very low-scoring game. Hammer the under in these games if you get a chance. But we're not doing that. We're doing straight wins-losses. Who's going to win this game, Tim? Oh, man. I want to say my, I want to say Calgary. So this is tough, though, because I think Dallas has shown that they're, they're not backing down. They're not afraid of this team. And they're playing home tonight with a chance to go up 3-1. to one. If we've seen what we've seen so far, I like their chances. But I think Calgary Tim, hopefully just has give a big game. Give us a pick. I'm thinking out loud. Flames, give me the Calgary. All right, I agree. So we, we, we agree on all four of these picks, which doesn't usually happen. So that means you go out and you win yourself some money. Go Florida, go Rangers. Go Avalanche, go Stars. Seven series will be notched up at 2-2 after tonight. That's a guarantee. All right, everybody. Take that to the bank. Get out and have some fun. Make a difference in the world today. And have a good time. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.